All right. Good morning. My name is Dwayne, and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that rightly divides the Word of God for the people of God. Uh, today is March the 20th, and I hope you and yours are doing well. Uh, we have been <clears throat> doing a topical study on God's timeline uh, that we started last week, um, looking at as we have been making our way through the book of Ephesians, uh, we have a, a perfect opportunity in Ephesians chapter number two to talk about this timeline. And so last week uh, I introduced that and uh, did part one, was not able to get through it. So this week we're going to pick up on it. So we'll do just a little bit of review uh, first, and then we'll get into part two of God's timeline. Um, just encourage you, if you're watching this on YouTube, to go ahead and click that subscribe button down at the bottom of the screen. would love to get uh, the number of subscribers up there uh, so that I can use some of the other uh, tools that are available once you hit a certain subscription right there. So if you could help with that, that'd be awesome. Uh, and then also you would receive notifications when I add things to the channel as well as when I go live. So uh, feel free to use the chat feature uh, as I'm working through this. Uh, I'll look back at that even if uh, it's uh, if I can't answer it while I'm doing it, I'll I'll get back. I'll circle back with you later. Circle back. I sound like Jen Saki. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, I think I've got everything set up here and it's good to see you. Um, and again, uh, Ephesians chapter number two is where we're going to go today. Um, and what brought us here to Ephesians chapter number two, um, there's a couple of verses um, that uh, we're going to be looking at. Um, and we see those verses when we get down into chapter two, verses 11 and 12. And... Um, so I will do just a little bit of review and uh, apologies last week. I did not realize that when I threw up the graph, uh, you cannot see my cursor. So as I'm moving around saying, you know, here and here and this here, you couldn't see it. So now I'm going to have to be a little bit more specific talking about time past, but now and ages to come. So we'll go back and forth uh, with the chart. Um, today and I'll make sure that I verbally tell you where I'm pointing my, uh, <clears throat> my little pointer there so it'll make a little bit more sense to you. So um, anyway, uh, what we talked about last week is knowing what belongs to you is just as important as knowing what doesn't uh, belong to you when studying the Bible. Now, if you would have asked me that two years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, I wouldn't have understood what you were talking about. Um, the, the church today really just takes Genesis through Revelation. Uh, it reads the church, you know, depending on what side of the theology spectrum you land on. You know, if you're on the covenant side, I mean, they see the church all through the Old Testament. It's, um, you know, uh, if you're on the dispensational side, they do a little bit better job of separating Israel from the church, but they tend to mix it as well. I, I can't tell you how many sermons I've, I've 
I've never taught one, but heard on Song of Solomon, you know, talking about the, the bride of Christ, you know, the church, you know, things like that. So just not a very good job in that respect, um, uh, at least in my understanding. But now I believe that God has impressed upon me that more so than ever that there is a lot we need to learn how to rightly divide. Now, most people, most dispensationalists uh, will say, no, you know, I rightly divide, you know, but um, no, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, even those on the dispensational side do some fuzzy math at times when it comes to rightly dividing the church from Israel. And and we'll talk about that. And I've been talking about that. If you're following this this podcast, I mean, you know, this ministry, um, I've been talking about that. And what we're, what we've been saying recently is just because it's written for you does not mean that it's written to you. And on this graph that I put up last week right here, uh, you can see here on the far left side under time pass for us, you can see under, but now in the middle to us, and you can see under ages to come for us. Um, Everything under time past was written for us, but not to us. Everything under ages to come was written for us, but not to us. And everything under but now was written to us. Now, I do believe even under in while we're looking at the Pauline epistles that there's right division still required there as well. Paul, Paul lived in what we call the transitional period when, um, you know, the the little flock or the, the kingdom church was still very much around. He ministered with the 12. Um, I mean, I still think there's right division required under the, the, but now, but everything under the, but now was written to us. Um, and we talked about last week, how that under time past, this includes everything, uh, from, uh, Genesis, up to Acts 9. Uh, when you read Genesis through Acts 9, all of that falls under time past. Uh, all of that is written directly to and about the nation of Israel. Um, it's not until Acts chapter number 9 when the Apostle Paul uh, was saved on the Damascus Road that we begin to to see in the Bible where the church comes into focus as Paul receives the revelation of the mystery. And so, you know, we see that transition after chapter number nine through Acts 28, but then Romans through Philemon is all about uh, and for the body of Christ. That is the but now, that is to us. So everything under time past, Genesis through Acts 9, was written for us, but not to us. Everything under but now, uh, which would be, uh, you know, that transition after Paul's conversion all the way through the, the Pauline epistles was written to us. That is where we find doctrine uh, for the church. And then... Um, you enter into ages to come. 
And this is Hebrews through the book of Revelation. Uh, Hebrews through Revelation was written to and by uh, the Jews. It was written by the Twelve to prepare the nation uh, after it had accepted the offer of the kingdom uh, for the tribulation period and the return of Christ and the establishment of the kingdom. So again, we get in trouble when we start trying to um, find the church <laughs> under time past. And when we start trying to shove the church into um, ages to come, we get in trouble. And uh, I've learned over these past couple of years that we just can't do that. We have to rightly divide. Now, there are those in 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 theological circles that would call people like me hyper dispensationalist. I don't care what they call me. I know it's meant to be a derogatory term, um, but I see it as just simply rightly dividing the word of God. Um, so we have to realize that there is a distinction between the writing of the Twelve, the writing of the Old Testament prophets, and the writings of Paul. There's a difference between the two. Um, so I'm not going to do too much review here, just a little bit. Um, so the church today teaches that it was all written to us. They see no distinction between Israel and the church or the ministries of Paul or the ministries of the Twelve. Uh, when you stand up and state emphatically, and I've done this several times, that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, you get a confused look because they see them all as ministering to the Gentiles. Uh, Paul was exclusively called to the Gentiles. The twelve was called to the nation of Israel. Of course, there were exceptions where Paul went, uh, Peter went to Cornelius and things like that. But Peter's call was not to the Gentiles. It was to the church, I mean, to the nation of Israel. Um, so if you don't separate the ministries of, of the Twelve and Paul, you're going to end up with a bunch of contradictions. You're going to end up with mushy theology. You're going to end up um, amalgamating, if you will, <laughs> the teaching of the Twelve with the teaching of Paul and you're going to end up under great confusion. Um, and we pointed out a couple of things. You know, Paul said in Romans 3.28, um, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Paul also said in Galatians 13, that for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In other words, nobody can be justified by the law. The deeds of the law do not justify a man. In Acts 13.39, Paul said, Ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. But then we get over into James, and he says, Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. He's justified by works, not by faith only. Uh, Peter said, uh, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. So it's pretty obvious that Peter and James are not saying the same thing that Paul was saying. 
The only way to understand these verses is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word from truth, the word of truth. And again, it's not dividing truth from error, which is the way that I was always taught it. Um, it's dividing truth from truth. It's, I mean, uh, you know, again, back to the tra- chart, all of this is truth. Everything in time past is true. Everything in ages to come is true for the nation of, and it applies directly to the nation of Israel. So when we're rightly dividing, we're rightly dividing what is for them and what is for us. It's all truth. It just has to be rightly divided their truth from our truth. Um, so it's all truth. So what Paul wrote is true, and what Peter and James wrote is true. There is no contradiction at all if it is rightly divided. Now, we started our study when we got down to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by those who are circumcised in the flesh made with hands. That means you Gentiles were called uncircumcised by the Jews, that at that time, during that time past period, you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. That is time past. That is this period right here, time past, Ephesians 2, 11, and 12. During this time period, from the calling out of Abraham from the Gentiles to the giving of the law to, to the promises that were given to David, you know, to the raising up of John the Baptist, uh, I mean, to, you know, Christ and the calling of the twelve, and even the the crucifixion and the resurrection and the first at least nine chapters of the book of Acts was time past. We were outside of the covenants of promise. We had no hope. We were without God. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel in time past. Um, all the the subject of time past is um the prophesied kingdom that's what the time past talked about from the calling out of abraham to the raising up of the of the prophets it was all talking about this kingdom that would one day come this prophesied kingdom you know in uh in daniel 2.14, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never. That's what the nation of Israel was looking for today. I mean, looking for, to come. Um, and that was what Christ came to offer, a kingdom. Uh, yet many today believe that we are in the kingdom right now. The kingdom is not for the body of Christ. The church is not looking for the kingdom. The church is looking for a rapture. And yet, when you you know that when you mention that word rapture, you know today in the church people look at you like you're a heretic. There has been a huge shift in the church in the United States back toward Reformed theology, and it is sweeping through 
uh, our denominations, even more so, of course, in the evangelical denominations. They are becoming much more reformed. Uh, I'm watching it. I live in Lynchburg, Virginia. You know, Liberty University has forever since its establishment been a general Baptist school, not a particular Baptist, which is Reformed Covenant Baptist. It is a general Baptist uh, school. Uh, you have to sign a general Baptist statement of faith to teach in the school of theology at Liberty. Uh, but I have watched in the past nine years, this is transitioning. They are now starting to bring in these guys that are bringing this. So now you've got students on both sides of the aisle at this school. And I got news for you. The reform side is winning. Um, it is all the new little churches that are popping up from the graduates around and where the area I live lean toward this reform side. They do not see a rapture. They, they treat the word dispensational as anathema. <laughs> I mean, uh, yet, yet the word is found in the Bible. Um, so, uh, the church is not looking for a kingdom. Therefore, when, you know, when we say that we don't pray the Lord's prayer after this manner, therefore pray ye, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, that prayer is for the Jewish nation. They are the ones looking forward to kingdom, to the kingdom, which will come during the millennial reign of Christ. During time past, we talked about this. There was a wall of partition between the Jews and the Gentiles. There was no body of Christ. Ephesians 2.14, for he is our peace. He hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Who's us? The Jews and the Gentiles. There was a wall between the two. Abraham was called out from among the Gentiles. We were outside the promises and the covenants, the commonwealth of Israel, but that wall now for the body of Christ has been taken down. That's why the apostles were not sent to the Gentiles. Okay. I mean, Jesus clearly told them in Matthew 10, go not into the way of the Gentiles or in any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Their plan, God's plan was for the nation, was that the nation would be a blessing to the Gentiles after it had first repented and been baptized. That was God's plan. Once they had been, they had repented and been baptized, they were going to be these priests that would be used to reach the Gentiles. They were going to fulfill the Abrahamic covenants that they would be a blessing. The Jews would be a, a blessing uh, to the peoples of the earth. God was going to use them to reach them. That is why they are called a kingdom of priests. And yet one of the first theological books that I remember as a young Marine reading was Kingdom of Priests, applying all of that to us, the body of Christ. We are not the kingdom of priests. John the Baptist came baptizing, preparing them to be a kingdom of priests so that they would reach the Gentiles. Um, they are the kingdom priests. Uh, in First Timothy two nine, but ye are a chosen generation, and First Peter two nine, and I've taught this. I've taught this at Bible college. I've taught it as a pastor, you know. And but ye are a chosen generation. That's us. It's not us. Peter wasn't talking to the body of Christ. Peter was talking to the nation of Israel. 
but ye are a chosen generation, you're a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation. We are not a royal priesthood. We are not a holy nation. We are not a, a peculiar people that we should show forth the praises of him that hath called you out of darkness. And I believe that's referring to the tribulation and to his marvelous light, which will come during the kingdom. Okay, So again, we take these passages and we immediately assume the apostle Peter was talking to us. Hebrews through Revelation is for the nation of Israel. You're not going to find the church in those books. Okay. The Jew, the, the apostles, the 12 were not talking about, uh, because what should have happened, and this is what we talked about last time. Um, you know, and I always say what could have, would have, should have happened is right here. This is what should have happened. There should have been no, but now time pass would have just been, you know, God calling Abraham out of the Gentiles, making the promises to David and his seed. And then John the, the Baptist coming on the scene and proclaiming that the Messiah, this, this, this one that was promised has come. And then Jesus calling out the 12 to preach this kingdom gospel. And the kingdom gospel was repent and be baptized that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, the whole purpose of that was to raise up a royal priesthood so that once Christ had been crucified and had, had been raised again, they would have been able to preach the gospel of the kingdom throughout the tribulational period. And then Christ would have returned, established his kingdom. And then God would have used those, the nation to reach the Gentiles. That's what this chart here represents. This is what could have, should have happened, but it didn't. Instead, we ended up with the but now. And the but now is because the nation of Israel rejected their Messiah. Of course, they crucified him. He, he rose from the dead. Peter stood up in Acts chapter number two. And again, this is another point that we've got to understand if we're going to rightly divide the word of truth. Acts two is not about the birth of the body of Christ. It's not even about the birth of the quote kingdom church. It is about the offer of the kingdom to the nation of Israel. <clears throat> and they rejected it. They rejected it. The nation as a whole did not accept the preaching of Peter and the offer of the kingdom. Uh, instead, they stoned Stephen. And then in chapter number nine, that's when God raised up the apostle Paul or begin raising him. Well, that's when he raised up the Apostle Paul. So, again, time past was everything before Acts chapter number 9 and the calling of the Apostle Paul. Their righteousness came through the law, but ours is an imputed righteousness that is given to us by Christ. And that's when we enter into the but now period. In Ephesians 2.13, uh, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off. Who is that? Referring to the Gentiles that were on the other side of that wall of partition. 
the Gentiles that were outside the covenants, outside the promises, outside of the commonwealth of Israel. You have now been made, you have now been made nigh. How? By the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He has made both one and look what he's done. He has broken down that middle wall of partition between us. He has abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. Why? To make in himself of twain one new man. We are now the body of Christ. There was no body of Christ prior to the raising up of the Apostle Paul. So making peace and that he might do what? Reconcile both unto God into one body. How? By the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you who were far off and to them that were nigh. So, This message was preached to Jew and Gentile alike, the Gentiles being the ones that were far off and the Jews who were those who were nigh. So this represents, this but now period represents this middle period between time past and ages to come. Again, again, that wasn't supposed to happen. The nation of Israel should have accepted their Messiah. He had to die. You know, in evangelical circles, we we love to say the ultimate rejection was when the nation crucified their Messiah. That wasn't the ultimate rejection. That had to happen. That was prophesied in the Old Testament. The rejection came when when they rejected the message of Peter in Acts chapter number two. And that, when they did that, that is what began what we call the diminishing. As God began to stop working with the nation of Israel and began to raise up the Apostle Paul as he preached the gospel of grace. And all of that is recorded. Of course, that diminishing is recorded in chapter 9 of Acts through 28 of Acts. But then Paul, in Romans through Philemon, That is where he is addressing us, the body of Christ, what we call the dispensation of grace. Some people call it the dispensation of the church. I think the dispensation of grace is a a far better term. And that is where Paul received the mystery that, that this body of Christ was going to be raised up, that was going to consist of both Jew and Gentile, They were going to be saved by this grace message, which was simple belief in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is where that happened. And Paul, you know, um, his conversion in Acts 9. Now, I don't believe at all that Paul understood everything immediately upon his conversion. And even among mid-Acts people like myself, there's disagreement as to how much did Paul know and when did Paul know it. Uh, and, and, you know, and that's where we just study <laughs> to rightly divide. I mean, separating truth from truth, but there's disagreement. Now, I've found, to be honest with you, some mid-axers can get mean uh, if you don't agree with them. Uh, but you know what? I didn't arrive here um, 
you know, I arrived here by studying and rightly dividing the word of God initially for myself. And I'm going to continue to do that. And I'm not going to embrace anything just because he or she said so. I've done that enough in my life. I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, I'm going to prove that to myself before I go on record with it. Until then, I'll just tell you, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, some people say that Paul came uh, to a knowledge of the grace gospel in Acts 9, that in Acts 9, he was the first convert into the body of Christ. And some will say, no, he didn't know then. He, he, he responded to a kingdom gospel and he preached a kingdom gospel. And it was later, you know, that he became the first as he understood the grace gospel uh, at the revelation. So again, when did he receive the revelation? You know, his conversions, you know, that's, that's all for, you know, to be studied. Um, so the ones who were far off were the Gentiles. The ones who were made nigh are, were, were the Jews. Okay. Uh, so it is during this period, we are living in the, but now period in this, but now period, God has cut off the prophetic program. The prophetic program was all about the nation of Israel. It was not about the body of Christ. So, you know, and, and I did this for years. I wrote my dissertation on the book of Revelation and the seven churches, <laughs> you know, past, present, and future. I, I wrote it all about that, you know, and I read the church into everything. Um, but the church is not a part of the prophetic program. So I, I'm, I, I do not believe that prophecy is being fulfilled right now. I mean, sure, there's alignments taking place. We know that, that Christ is going to rapture the church out. And sure, we're going to see some things happening. But those, th those things have already been prophesied. I, I don't believe we're seeing new prophecy being fulfilled during this this but now period, okay, this but now period that began with the Apostle Paul. Um, so, and again, I pointed out this verse here, 1 Timothy 1.16, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them that should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. So Paul was the first one into the body of Christ. As Paul came into the body of Christ, the or formed the first of the body of Christ, that those of us who should follow, he would be a pattern for us who would come thereafter. We entered into that but now period. Uh, there is no prophecy being fulfilled in the but now period. He preaches a salvation by faith and not of works for the first time in the but now period. And again, this is where the majority of the church fails to see this and try to harmonize the works gospel that was taught by the Twelve with the grace gospel that was taught by Paul. And we just read that. We read those verses by Paul and those verses by Peter and James. So what we do, instead of, as we try to reconcile those contradictions, we just kind of harmonize it. And, we, and, and I did it for years. That's how I successfully got through First, Second Peter you know, first, second, third, John, Jude, Revelation, Hebrews. I harmonized all of that, uh, spiritualized it, to be honest with you. We dispensationalists are very critical of the covenant folks because they clearly spiritualize everything. But we turn around and do the exact same thing. 
You know, we read the seven churches of Revelation and we spiritualize them instead of taking it literally. We're guilty of the exact same thing. When we see the birth of the body of Christ in Acts chapter number two, we spiritualize that because there is nothing in Acts chapter number two that says happy birthday, body of Christ. <laughs> nothing there says that. There were no Gentiles other than proselytized Gentiles. You have to spiritualize it so we can be just as guilty as they. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and again, <clears throat> this mystery was revealed to the Apostle Paul. Paul said in Romans 16, 25, now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel. Why would he say my gospel and not say our gospel? Why, if what he was preaching was no different from the 12, would he make such a distinction between my gospel and their gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation, which was kept secret since the world began? That means, in a nutshell, that there is nothing under this time past <clears throat> about the body of Christ. Nothing. <clears throat> it was kept secret since the world began. It's not there. There is no body of Christ until it was revealed to the Apostle Paul. And then he made known the mystery of the revelation because he was the first one into the body of Christ. <clears throat> now, again, I become convinced that the majority of Christians today, I mean, I, I have to be careful. I think uh, <clears throat> there is. A, I think there's a difference between the organization which is the church, and the organism, which is the body of Christ. <clears throat> I believe the organization is huge. I believe that the vast majority of the organization does not really know Christ. The organism, which is the body of Christ, that is the true church. That is the ones that will be raptured out <clears throat> one day. They are the body of Christ. I, I firmly believe, and I've, I've told this in many a pulpit, that the Sunday after the rapture, there will be churches full of people, okay? <laughs> and a lot of those will be the same people that were there the Sunday before the rapture. Uh, I believe that for the most part, the church is apostate. Uh, we are no longer preaching a true gospel. We are not preaching the gospel of grace anymore. Um, so I believe that, and, but even just talking about that group that is in the organism, the body of Christ, true believers, I believe that many of them are not established in their faith. They're confused in their faith because they do not see the uniqueness of Paul's gospel. Romans 2.16, in that day when God shall judge the secret of men of Jesus Christ, according to whose gospel? My gospel. In 1 Timothy 1.11, according to the glorious gospel, the blessed God, which was committed to me, to my trust. We're going to be judged by the gospel that was given to Paul, not the gospel that was given to the twelve. Again, they do not preach Paul's gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery today. Instead, they conflate the message of the 12 with the message of the Paul, and they end up with no gospel at all. 
because they are combining two programs into one. Paul told the Galatians, I marvel that you are so soon removed for him that called you into the grace of Christ to another gospel, which is not really another one. But there be some that trouble you and and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And again, these Judaizers were saying that these, these, these converts had to first become Jewish. They had to be circumcised. They had to keep the law in order to become Christians or followers of Christ. Um, Paul made it perfectly clear in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We wrote, Wherefore, hence we forth we know no man after the flesh, yea, though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. In other words, the ministry of Christ when he walked this earth was to the nation. We don't know that Christ. <clears throat> Our focus should be should not be on the Gospels, which records the earthly ministry of Christ when he ministered exclusively to the nation, but the message according to the revelation that was given to by Paul. And again, we cannot be established until we realize that there is a difference. Um, Paul wrote in, in Romans 16, 25, that this gospel was given to him. It was kept secret once the world began. That means it cannot be found prior to Paul. Luke makes it clear that the gospel that he and the others taught had been taught since the world began. So Paul says, no one knows the mystery. But then the apostles say that the gospel that they taught had been since the world began. In Luke 1, 68, blessed be the God and Father of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. In other words, they're saying we're not teaching anything new. We're just telling you that the Christ has come and he's offering you the kingdom that he's been promising you. In Acts 3.21, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken how by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. It is no secret, but the gospel that was given to Paul was. It was a secret. No one knew it until it was revealed by Paul. And that's why he says my gospel as compared to their gospel. That is what Paul spent his entire ministry trying to promote and defend in Acts 3, 4. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery. Our job as right dividers, as people who believe the word of God, is is to understand Paul's knowledge of the mystery. And we're all at a different place in that. I mean, there, there's people that I study, that I watch. They say things that absolutely go flat over my head. I, I, I don't get it. They're further down the road from me, or maybe they're clueless. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure, you know, but m- my ministry now is to understand, uh, that mystery that was given to Paul. And again, our job today is to rightly divide truth from truth, not truth from error, because there is no error in the Bible. So Paul is the but now apostles. <laughs> he is the but now apostle. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. In Ephesians, in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, and last of all, he was seen of 
me also as one born out of due time. The twelve were only called to the Jews. Acts eleven nineteen. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phinehas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word of God to who? None but Jews only. So wait a minute. The church was born in Acts chapter number two. Why are they just going to Jews? Because they always only went to Jews. And yet some will say that they were being disobedient of the Great Commission. I have a whole paper that I wrote on how the twelve were disobedient to leave Jerusalem to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Whole paper on it. Pretty sure I got an A on it. They were not being disobedient at all. At all. In Matthew 5, 10, 5 and 6, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the, of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, but rather go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Matthew 15, 24, but he answered and said, am I not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? I didn't come to minister to the Gentiles. Make no mistake, they were told to go only to the nation. We must rightly divide what is for us from what is to us. Only the but now is to us. Only the but now. This middle period here, Romans through Philemon, this is the only thing that is to us. Now, <clears throat> now once we leave the but now period, where are we going? We're going into ages of ages to come. So let's take a look at that. And this is the shortest part of the presentation. <clears throat> so only the but now is to us. So we've seen in Ephesians 2, time past. And then we've seen but now in Ephesians 2.13. And what we will discuss next is the ages to come which is found in Ephesians 2, 7. So look at Ephesians 2, 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. The ages to come will begin after the rapture. And the us here, and again, I even some brothers in the <laughs> rightly dividing movement, I get upset with me when I start getting into pronouns. <clears throat> uh, but the us here is referring to Jews. Uh, that in the ages come, he might show us. Um, show us. Let me see. That in the ages come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And again, if you've been following my Ephesians study, I have took the position that Paul is speaking to two groups. And, and I, I got to admit, it's the hardest study I've ever done. But until I see that it's different, <laughs> I'm going to keep going down this road. And when I figure out it's wrong, I have no problem turning around and saying it's wrong. Um, uh, but I have taken the position that Paul is speaking to two groups of people when he transitions between first and second person, one being the Jews and the other being the Gentiles. So again, to me, Ephesians 2, 7 is simply another proof text that he is speaking of the Jews when he uses first person 
uh, and speaking of the ages to come. So, so when he says there that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through, through Christ Jesus. So the ages to come is for the nation of Israel. They are the us here. And again, in our chart, this is the us right here. This is referring uh, to the nation of Israel. Okay, that this the ages to come will start after the rapture of the church. Okay, um, John speaks of this period in the book of Revelation when he says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Clearly, that's talking about the nation of Israel. Revelation is all about the nation of Israel. Don't try to force the church into it. Revelation 14, 12, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So the ages to come in our Bibles is Hebrews through Revelation. Um, I have a little... Uh, Something to look at for here in Hebrews chapter six, verses four through six. I have butchered this section of scripture so many times uh, over the years. But anyway, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift. Now, again, the average evangelical, the average evangelical doesn't even touch this section of scripture <laughs> because they want to use it. Uh, someone to use it as a as as a justification for us being able to lose our salvation today, but it's not talking to us. And if we would realize that, it's not talking about the body of Christ. So it has nothing to do. Again, the ones that want to say you have no eternal security in your salvation, they will pull all of their proof texts from the Gospels or from the Hebrew epistles. And one of them they pull is Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift. When did the nation of Israel experience this? Pentecost. <laughs> and they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. That's the kingdom. That is the world to come. And they got a taste of that at Pentecost. So it says it is impossible for those who experienced that at Pentecost and partook of the Holy Ghost, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come during the kingdom, if they should fall away. Who's the they there? It's not referring to backsliding evangelicals or backsliding Baptists. Okay. They shall fall away. It is referring to the Jewish nation and they did fall by the way. That is the diminishing on the chart to renew them again under repentance, seeing that they would crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Again, this verse has nothing to do <clears throat> with 
a grace believer losing their salvation as it is popularly taught today. As a matter of fact, again, anyone that says that is not understanding right division. Um, they are using verses from time past and ages to come to justify their stance in regard to the eternal security of the believer. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 has everything to do with the nation of Israel. Um, that is why right dividers take 2 Timothy 2, 15 so seriously. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to be able to divide time past from but now from ages to come. We have to realize that, <clears throat> that Genesis through Acts 2 is time past. Acts 2, Acts 9. And that Acts 9, you know, through the end of Acts 28 is all about a transitioning. A shift is taking place from a kingdom gospel to a grace gospel from uh, Peter to Paul, from Jerusalem to Antioch, uh, from uh, from just the Jews to Jew and Gentile, a one new man of which Christ is the head, and be able to divide that that ends with the rapture of the church, and then everything from Hebrews through Revelation is regarding the Jewish people, preparing them for the tribulation once the church is taken out of the way. And again, this is what should have happened. There should have been no body of Christ. There should have been no but now. There should have been no need to raise up the apostle Paul. This is what should have happened, but didn't. So that is why 2 Timothy 2.15 is so important to us. It is This is the only verse in the Bible that tells us how to study the Bible. And yet I have never been to a seminar on how to study the Bible where the primary text wasn't Acts 2.15. Again, I, I imagine what would happen if the whole church understood what I've just shared with you today and last week. How many denominations would there be? How much of a schism would there be between covenant types, reform types, and Pentecostals, you know, charismatic types, or even those that claim to be both, you know? I mean, how much confusion would be alleviated if we just rightly divided the Word of God? Rightly divided. Uh, I'm reminded of what Paul said, and I'll close with this. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. It is so simple when you understand right division. When you understand that Genesis through the Gospels, through Pentecost, had everything to do with the nation of Israel, 
denominations, whole denominations are founded based on confusion as to what happened at Pentecost. Whole denominations are built on what happened or didn't happen at Pentecost. Imagine if we understood right division and how simple it is, the simplicity that is found in Christ Jesus, if we understood that. Now, for the first time in my life, I can, <clears throat> I can open my Bible and say, this is for them, not me. You know, this is for me, not them. Uh, this is for them, not me. And, and the chart, now, does it, does it mean that I have all the answers? No, <laughs> man, even among right dividers. And like I said, some of them can be rough. Some of them can be very dogmatic. Uh, but study to show thyself approved unto God. Thyself, you know, starts with me. I want to study to show myself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I have to come to those truths on my own, as do you. But the journey's got to begin. So I think that's about it. Uh, the charts, I'll put links to these charts um, in the, the section below. Uh, remember, if you haven't uh, subscribed to this channel, please do so. Click that subscribe button. And um, um, I'm going to put all these notes on my website, DwayneSpearman.org, with the links for that. And uh, I just pray that God continues to bless you on your journey as you study and discover the simplicity that is truly in Christ that comes from right division. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great Lord's Day. And remember that he loves you and wants the best for you. And he's working all things out for our good.